Welcome to Lovin' and Leavin', the podcast where a divorce attorney and a family therapist talk about the issues that affect relationships, marriage, love, and divorce. I am one of your hosts, Mark Schoendorf. I am a practicing divorce attorney in the Chicagoland area. And I'm your co-host, Denise Ombre. I'm a therapist and I help individuals and couples in the northern suburbs of Chicago navigate relationship issues. And we are here to talk about the different things we see in our professional lives when it comes to relationships. Like jealousy. And infidelity. Personalities. And abuse. And everything else that causes people to leave the one they love. And whether or not those things can be fixed. So welcome to Lovin' and Leavin'. So today, Denise, we are, we're going to talk about... Narcissists. Narcissists, which is... Which is like a big, I think most of what I do is dealing with narcissists. Dealing with narcissists. I think divorce lawyers, the, the bulk of their work just by hours, you know, a lot of cases get resolved pretty quickly, but not with a narcissist. Not with a narcissist. So I want to talk about what is a, really what a narcissist is, because so my recollection before I got into the law, I thought a narcissist was someone that just like thought they were really, really beautiful and loved looking at themselves, right? Well, that's part of being a narcissist. I mean, they're very grandiose. You know, they're very, they they need a lot of admiration. Right. We study Greek mythology. Narcissus, Narcissus, right? Echo and Narcissus, and he's looking for Echo, and then he sees himself in the water, and then he loves himself so much he falls in. And But then I got into practicing law, and I got into practicing divorce, and I met some real deal narcissists. Uh-huh. And it's not just about thinking you're pretty. No. So what, what's going on? What's a narcissist? Well, I think one of the hallmarks of narcissism is they lack empathy. You know, they, they cannot see the world from anybody else's point of view. And that is a real problem when you're in relationship. You know, they're very manipulative. They're very demanding. Um, they have, they believe they're superior and that they deserve special attention and special, you know, favors from people. Uh, They tend to try and surround themselves with other people that they see as unique and special to boost their self-esteem. And this this causes problems in relationships. Well, obviously, if somebody is, they think they're just, but it's it's really, uh, let's let's talk about how, like, how that really sort of manifests. I mean, these are people that essentially, not only do they think that they are right, but they just can't fathom why anyone else would think that they're not right. Exactly. Because they have no empathy and can't see the world from anybody else's point of view, they don't understand that somebody else would have a different point of view at all. It just doesn't cross their mind. It doesn't cross their mind. If you think something else, then you're wrong. Right. Exactly. Right. And that's that's kind of scary, isn't it? It is very scary. It's a scary way to see the world. So what's, what's causing someone to be this way? Well, there are a lot of theories. Nobody knows exactly what creates a narcissistic personality. There's a lot of theories. A lot of it is, you know, genetic-based. People have a predisposition for this kind of personality disorder. Um, A lot of it can be, you know, nurture in childhood, either something like childhood neglect or, yeah, or... um, excessive attention and admiration from your parents. So they got too much admiration. But how does that translate into the lack of empathy? Empathy is a skill, right? It's something you're taught. You teach your children how to have empathy all the time. Right. So if you are never taught how to have empathy for other people, it can be a skill that you simply never learn. And some people seem to be missing the, the 
genetic makeup to be able to learn empathy. Okay. They just can't do it. It's it's simply missing in them. So you, you mentioned before, just for a little bit, that uh, so narcissist some of that some of their actions or behavior is based on low self-esteem? Yeah, they have a very brittle self-esteem underneath this bravado. Because it seems like a narcissist would think that they think a lot of themselves, so it's kind of funny to hear that they would actually deep, deep down maybe don't think a lot of themselves. Yeah, deep, deep down, they have very little self-esteem, and and it's very, um, it's very brittle, like I said. It, it tends to be injured very easily. So then what? how do they react? What, you know, sort of talk me through it. You got somebody that thinks that they are terrible at what? Well, really at at, uh, at being at everything, honestly. Okay. <laughs> because if they if they get injured in any way, like if the threat of being left, the threat of, of being abandoned is a huge fear for them. Um, being shown that they have a fault of any kind or a weakness so how, of any kind. And how do they react? They react with anger most typically. Um, and they lash out at people. Right. My first, I guess, real experience with a narcissist in a divorce case, I represented, represented the dad, and the mom was very narcissistic. And she uh, essentially, she left the state with the, the, the kid. They had one, one kid. Wow. And, but she just left, and she had, a, like, a boyfriend in the other state, and she was going to start the new life and, like, straight away um, enroll the kid in school and... So we file this emergency motion, bring this kid back, right? You cannot just do that. Right. And she's saying, well, you know, she's in the school and this is this is a great place to live. And so what's the problem there? And you know, it as the case kind of progressed, and she had a couple of attorneys, and the last attorney that came in, I kind of said, Look, you're just letting you know, your client is a narcissist, in my opinion, and is not going to sort of accept anything. And so at some point during the case, and here's I think the perfect example is that she put together um, a proposal for parenting time, right? And she wanted it to be 50-50 parenting time. Uh -huh. But she gave herself every single holiday with the kid, <laughs> every single one except for President's Day. President's Day. And New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Now, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day may seem a little generous because it's real holiday. Not really. Those are prime days for going out, right? right? And she, she loved to party. So it was like, really, she just didn't want to have to deal with babysitting. And then in the summertime, she gave herself like weeks at a time, gave him like at most one incidence of like four days in a row. And she thought... Like straight face without What's any irony. Oh, this is this is this is totally fair. This is right. yeah. I'm being so generous. This is going to be great for our kid. Right. And in their mind, they actually believe that. They literally believe their own shtick. Right. They believe they're being generous and fair. Right. And it's and looking at it at face value, it's ludicrous. Right. It's 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 totally bananas. You're like, yeah. oh, this is not good for your kid at all. Exactly. And uh, and then of course, whenever she was challenged. Um, as to what she was doing, whether it was, it was a good or bad idea. There was absolutely, and of course, it made it a nightmare when it came to, um, you know, of course, he can't be late at all. Otherwise, it's time to call the lawyers. But if she delivers the kid an hour, hour and a half late. That's not a problem. Not a problem. Because if it's good for her, it's good for everybody. Right. If it's not good for her, then it's not good. Right. And I've had other situations where, um, for example, say dad is a narcissist. He, he is fighting, f 
fighting for, for you know, I've had one case where, where the dad was a business person, flies around a lot, you know, travels almost half, you know, the, the month regularly for all kinds of stuff. It's for quote unquote business, right? But he's fighting tooth and nail to have his time with the kids. But then he's got the time, but then he just, all right, I got to go. I'm just taking off. And he totally can control most of his schedule and is like, well, that's fine. Or we'll, would delegate, you know, things to other people and, and have other people do, you know, the nanny will, will do all this stuff. Or I can just leave the kids with my nanny or with my, 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 my parents or whatever, and it's totally fine. But, and then the child rep comes in and says, you know, the kids really need to spend time with you. Not the nanny. Not the nanny. And, and of course, then it's like a, you know, it's this horrible injurious it's an injury, right? It's a it's a horrible injury to their self-esteem. And then they lash out. Right. And so and and how do they lash out? Well, all kinds of ways, financially, emotionally. I've definitely seen that, the financial yeah. lashing out. Absolutely. Yeah. They find all kinds of ways to retaliate against whoever they see as inflicting the pain against them. I've seen I've seen narcissists that are they're really successful. They a lot of times are very successful because they're very charismatic. And and very likable when you first meet them. Sure, and and I've seen that, but I've seen um, those studies that basically liken successful people to serial killers <laughs> in certain instances. And really, you know, because these people have, you know, I guess it's because of a lack of empathy. Lack of empathy. They just don't care. They don't care. They, so in business, they they will you know say what they need to say or do what they need to do to be successful because how it affects other people. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's right. It and, only matters how it affects them. Right. So, and again, when I've seen the narcissist in the divorce, they'll lash out in, in ways if it's with the kids. Again, like, you know, trying to withhold the children or um, unilaterally make decisions or, you know, I'm just going to take this kid on this trip, uh, you know, and whatever. I'm not going to ask. We're just going to go. Uh, or if, they, if there's money involved, they control the money. They control the money. And, and so, that's a big problem. That is. That can be a big problem. I think it could also be a solution. Again, I, I, a case where the narcissist dad, business owner, um, you know, claimed he had no money but was spending money left and right on himself. And it was only until we got um, the leverage was, well, we're going to start selling your stuff or we're going to start, you know, you're going to get thrown <laughs> in jail for not paying what you're supposed to pay. All of a sudden, the money managed to appear. Yeah. You know, he managed to dig it up, uh, you know, when he needed to to save himself. But everything else... Yeah, they don't have any. They don't have any. That's right. Uh, so that's that's not uncommon. So what 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 kind of people end up in relationships with narcissists? Well, a lot of people who are codependent end up in relationship with narcissists. A lot of people that I would like to call a shadow, someone who's a shadow, who or an echo from the from the old myth, um, who reflects back to them their greatness. Ends up in a relationship with a narcissist. Huh. So the, these narcissists are seeking people out that that will validate that will validate their how wonderful they are. Right. Yeah. And so then, uh, um, and when you say codependent, so what, what what does that mean? So in a codependent relationship, one person's needs have to take top billing. One person has to have their needs met on a regular basis, and the other person's needs kind of recede into the background. So is the person who is the, the codependent, and of course that's another show, um, what causes them to be that way? I mean, is it like low self-esteem? Well, that's a piece of it, but there's, yeah, it's a whole other show to talk about what makes somebody a codependent um, personality we'll we'll do disorder. It. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole other show. But 
they they don't assert their needs. They tend to take care of everybody else ahead of themselves. And that works very well for a narcissist because their needs then become the top priority. It's all about me, me, me. It's all about me, and me, And then me. the other person is okay in a certain sense. They're not really happy not about really it. Not really happy about it, but in a certain sense, it works for them. Yeah, that, that someone else is... I, for whatever reason, they're they're allowing everyone else to to have their day, and exactly. and and they sit there and go, it's it's fine. That's right, it's fine. Your needs can take top priority. Uh, so, so now that you're telling me about codependence and how they are, they put their needs uh, second, uh, or maybe they see do they want to give everyone a chance, or maybe they're they're not as as aggressive. Is that a fair statement? Well, it's complicated, but yeah, it looks that way. I had a I had a client um, who uh, the spouse ended up being narcissist, and they things were not going well, and so the spouse initiated a divorce proceeding, and so they came to me. They wanted me to 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 handle the, their divorce case, and I said, well, what we should do is we should file a counter petition. So that that way the the spouse can't just dismiss the case and be done with it. Then we would have to dismiss it as well, uh, and he did, didn't want to do that. Uh, and so then what happened is uh, uh, the spouse shortly thereafter dismissed it. And so okay, okay, great. There's no divorce here for me. So go best of luck. But I told him, you know, you might want to start sorting this stuff out now because it doesn't sound like it's going to uh, resolve itself um, if this is where you guys are at. And then sure enough, a year later, I get a phone call. Um, that, you know, something crazy happened. He needed to start the divorce proceedings right away. Uh, and in that, in the meantime, in that year, things happened that sort of worked against him in the divorce proceeding. And I had to tell him, I was like, look, if we just kept going, you, you wouldn't have been in this situation. But here he was. He wanted to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. He did not want to uh, sort of assert himself. And he came from a good place because there was children involved and he wanted to make sure that, that w they were doing what was best. But at the same time, he made himself vulnerable legally and, and it sort of came home to roost a little bit. Yeah, that can happen with with codependence. It's hard to get out. It's hard to leave a codependent relationship. Right. So where what in what causes or what does it look like? Because you see a lot of this in, in, in your line of work where the actual, you know, the relationship with the narcissist, perhaps the codependent, the shadow, it actually starts to do. What's the tipping point? What does it break down? A lot of times it breaks down around children when they have children because suddenly the children's needs become as important as the narcissist needs or more important than the narcissist needs. And they can't, they and they can't, can't handle that. They can't stand being second fiddle. They cannot stand being second or fiddle. Or third fiddle or fourth fiddle, depending on how many exactly. children you have. Right, depending on how many we, children you have. And we did have. the show about the children. Once you get children, your life is very different. Drastically changes. And you, suddenly your spouse's attention is shifted. Um, and typically the husband cannot tolerate the shift in attention. And that causes huge problems in the relationship. And so it gets, and how does that manifest? What, you know, what happens in, like, what does the narcissist start doing? A kid comes along or something happens and they, uh, they, they're not getting the attention that they think that they deserve. So what do they start doing in that relationship? You see a lot more fighting. You see a lot more demanding attention. You see a lot more manipulative behavior. You 
see acting out with money sometimes. Um, sometimes you see affairs. Because they're essentially, they're basically saying, you're not paying attention to me. You're, you're not paying attention. You're changing diapers. I need you to pay attention to me. And if you're not going to do it in a good way, then I'm going to do something crazy to make sure I'm, on your, your attention I'm on your mind. That's right. One way or the other. And that could be a new girlfriend or boyfriend. Sometimes. Could be, I just bought a brand new, ridiculously expensive car. Sometimes. Because look at me. And, right. and now we can't afford it and it's going to cause problems. And now we're talking about me some more and all the problems that I managed to create because, you know, it's me. Right. That's terrible. Yeah. You see a lot of acting out behavior and just a lot of anger that comes out, um, rage that comes out when they aren't getting the attention that they feel they deserve. Mm. So, so here's a really tough question. Can the narcissist be fixed? Well, in... In a word, <laughs> it's pretty hard. Uh, these people tend to get dragged into treatment by a spouse or when, when the marriage is failing. They rarely seek treatment on their own. Why would they? Exactly. Why do they need treatment? there's nothing wrong with them. They have trouble staying in treatment long enough to get better because they have trouble tolerating the idea that there's anything wrong with them or that there's that they have a weakness or a flaw of any kind. So it's pretty hard to work on narcissism. You said before that, you know, that it's gen it can be genetic, but maybe... There's a genetic predisposition, people think, to narcissistic personality disorder. Because if it's environmental, like you said, you know, a child was lauded with attention, and so now they're just growing up thinking, aren't they great? But that person, if it's not genetic, if they're not wired that way, then they could maybe do some self-assessments? Maybe, yeah. I mean, hopefully you could look at that. And, and even the profound neglect that, you know, is the other side of that. How does profound neglect? Cause narcissism? Yeah. The child doesn't have a sense of being taken care of in any way. So then they have to act out to make sure that they're taken care of. Or they, they grow up and take care of themselves first and foremost and only. A little less sad form of narcissism, I guess. They're just trying to they're just trying to take care of themselves and they don't know how. But their personality structure forms in such a way that they can't have empathy for other people. And that's really the biggest problem. Are there situations where so that lack of empathy comes from just a self preservation drive as opposed to just, you know, uh, a low self esteem? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Is there a practical difference? In terms of treatment? I mean, is it a different type of narcissist? I don't know if it's a different type of narcissist. It's all it's all the same. I, yeah. I'm, I'm going to say that that divorce cases with narcissists, they, I mean, they, they usually go to the bitter end for the very reason that they can't, uh, they can't even, I mean, they can't settle a, a matter. They can't take a settlement. A settlement they can't offer, compromise. It's a compromise, right? It's Well, it's also, it's a compromise, but it's also... Um, you know, there's leverage at play when you negotiate. You know, sometimes you have leverage over the other person in some form or fashion, and sometimes it just doesn't comp compute. You know, like sometimes, for example, we might have leverage over uh, somebody else with, you know, something that they're claiming is non-marital, and we think that it is marital, and we think we're going to show that this piece of property or this business or th these funds are, are marital, and you can sort of say, well, it's going to... And this is how much we're talking about, and this is what it's going to take for us to get there. And reasonable people will kind of do a mental calculation and say, well, 
hey, 50-50, you know, I, I get it, I don't get it, and we spend all this money, so let's just come up with a number that makes sense that everyone can sort of swallow. But the narcissist, they're going to insist that they are correct. They're, they're not going to, you know, the idea that you think that you might be right or there's a threat that you're right doesn't cross their mind. So when you say, look, this is what the case law says, and I've got these, these documents that show what I think it's going to show, it's like talking to a brick wall. Exactly. And all those things or the kid issues where they want more time with a kid or whatever it is, they just can't accept a settlement. They can't accept anything other than their way. It's their way or the highway. Right. And so sometimes the judge has got to tell them and you got to go all the way through to a trial. And that's just, that's a pricey affair. It's a pricey affair. And also then you have implementation of the settlement. Even when a judge tells them, they still don't always comply. And then that becomes an issue after. Yeah, absolutely. So, so there's really not much you can do then with a narcissist. No, there's not a lot you can do. Hey. Well, then I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if you're, if I'm sorry for all the people that are in relationships with narcissists. Yeah, it's a tough road to hoe. No, it is. All right. Well, fantastic. We'll talk about something else next time. We'll talk about what do we have on, on deck. I believe we have abuse on deck. Okay. Well, turn it, tune in next time for, for the abuse episode and, uh, and take care. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Lovin' and Leavin'. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, please find and like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Tell your friends about us. And of course, if you yourself are having personal or relationship issues that you would like to work on or need help with, and you live in or near Chicago, you can find me on the internet at deniseombre.com. That's A-M-B-R-E. Or call at 847-729-3034. Again, on the web at deniseombre.com or 847-729-3034. If you are unfortunately at a point where your relationship or marriage is not working and you need legal guidance, I am available. I focus on all aspects of family and divorce law, including child custody, support, dividing property, businesses, handling parenting time and visitation, and everything that goes along with it. You can visit me on the web at IllinoisDivorceLaw.net, again, IllinoisDivorceLaw.net, or call 312-878-1202 to set up a consultation. Again, 312-878-1202, and I would be happy to help. Please mention the podcast when you call. And if there's a topic you think we should cover, let us know on Twitter or Facebook. Thanks again, and join us next time on Lovin' and Leavin'.